0: You can't infringe on their rights. Nanobots causes autism. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Welcome to episode 38 of the Humanist Agenda podcast. My name is Kenny.
1: I'm Sherry.
2: And I'm Rory.
0: Well, everyone.
1: Back together again. Back
0: together. Uh, We, in our last episode... We were so optimistic. We had just recorded just a few days after the New Year's, and we didn't even make it past one week without disaster happening.
2: (laughs) Our hopeful message went unheeded.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why did we think that we could make it past the first week? That's my question.
0: (laughs) I know. I was so optimistic that we were going to at least make it past a week without some kind of world-changing disaster, but um, I guess some people decided to storm the capital of the U.S. and cause an insurrection.
1: Didn't they know we hadn't recorded our next podcast yet? Like, come on, just maybe wait a couple weeks.
2: (laughs) Show some consideration. Let us air first before you go into (laughs) storm capital and demand. (laughs) Whatever they did exactly.
0: We needed some breathing room, just you know, get let us enjoy 2021 just for a little bit, but no, no, no we were denied.
1: This is our new reality. like uh, we're never going back to, oh, we just celebrated New Year's and nothing is happening, and <laughs> let's move on to February.:
2: <laughs> I'm sure they had this cooking all the way back in December earlier, like mm. this didn't just come together as a flash mob. these people. They had a plan, and they just put it in action.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot more and more is coming out about it as well. So we don't want to date ourselves. But, um, yeah, the FBI has found a lot of proof of people online organizing this prior to.
0: And my favorite thing about the what the FBI is doing right now is pretty much all the criminals that stormed the Capitol recorded themselves <laughs> and also posted those recordings on Parlor, which is the... Uh, social media platform that is loved by uh, these uh, right-wing nutjobs. And it included all of the metadata. So all of the GPS locations of when they took the photos and the videos, including the timestamps. So the FBI has all the evidence that they need to uh, essentially put someone in the exact GPS location at the exact time, and I don't know what more evidence do you need?
1: <laughs> and they weren't just... wearing masks either, so oh, of there course you not. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think uh, someone basically classified this insurrection as the dumbest insurrection ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure it's up there.
0: Yeah. So, but anyways, to maybe reflect back on our last episode, uh as of today of this recording, we have uh 560,000 people in Canada who have received the vaccine. So,
1: Yay! We're on
0: our way. We're half half a million and we're going to keep going. Keep the rollout going.
1: Yeah, but um I think it's Pfizer slowed down their production So hopefully things can keep keep rolling.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So cross your fingers.
1: I'm waiting for my letter to get my vaccine.
2: Oh, is that going to happen? They're going to mail people when it's their turn. Oh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't got one yet, so I don't really know how they tell me I'm getting my vaccine. But uh,
0: it's it's probably through email. I I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know some doctors, uh, like family physicians, have received emails on scheduling their shots. So um, I'm sure it will start trickling down from medical staff to other essential workers.
1: I was really hoping that it would be like written on parchment and delivered by an owl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to believe it will happen that way.
0: (laughs) With a limo to pick you up and red carpet. Yeah, Don't give up hope, Sherry. It
1: could (laughs) happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know it will.
0: So today we wanted to at least talk a little bit about the future, Uh, maybe potentially a more optimistic view of the future, given um, it's been a little depressing seeing what's been happening in the last few months slash years. But So today, we want to kind of talk a little bit about some future technologies and future, um, let's call it, augmentations to human beings. Uh, We know technology is evolving, and there are certain uh, technologies and um, devices that are being augmented onto human beings to assist us, uh, either to create a a more um, better life for people that, for example, maybe have disabilities. And I think, in actually some cases, in maybe in the mainstream, um, there's some augmentations that are happening just because it's either it creates a level of convenience for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the one thing that I can think of that pops into my head is. I know maybe we don't really consider this as an augmentation, like us carrying our cell phones and some people have maybe like smart watches, but it, we're almost kind of there because we're, you know, our phones, we it, they never leave our bodies. And I feel like, you know, phones are essentially a type of augmentation where there's a piece of technology that's nearby, that's always helping you, whether it's, Uh, helping you if you're shopping staying in communications Mm -hmm. with people it's it's moving towards that direction where you have this piece of technology that's just already stuck on you
2: yeah and i think that's actually the the kind of augmentation that people are going to be far more readily accepting of like a lot of the science fiction human augmentation you're talking about implants and chips and you know replacing limbs and whatnot but wearable interactive technology, which we have today, and it's just getting better and better, I think people find that a lot more agreeable and something they can Mm -hmm. much more readily incorporate into their lives.
0: Yeah. And there's actually a a woman on TikTok. She's been doing a lot of videos right now. Uh, She calls herself Chip Girl, and she has actually implanted a RFID chip in her hand. Uh, So has her husband. Um, So RFID stands for Radio Frequency Identification. Mm. So she has this chip in her hand that she uses to unlock doors, unlock cabinets. Uh, So she doesn't really carry keys around. She just uses her hand to unlock things. And she she does videos just kind of show what type of technologies she's using with this RFID chip. She's pretty wealthy because she kind of has a mansion. (laughs) And, you know, her thought around rfids and when i have guests i give them this rfid bracelet and they can go to unlock certain wings of my mansion essentially Uh uh-huh man (laughs) this technology is being used right now in terms of like implanted rfids and i even like just googled online in terms of can you actually easily buy implantable RFID chips? And it's possible. There are companies that are selling essentially pre prepackaged sterile syringes with RFID chips in it so that you can inject
2: yourself. So this is a do-it-yourself process. There's no... Uh, <laughs> this aren't there clinics where do they can it implant my chip for me so I don't, like, stick it somewhere inappropriate? <laughs> yeah,
0: I I think they... Definitely highly recommend that you get a medical professional to do it because (laughs) the needle is massive. Like, you know, people are worried about, you know, vaccine needles. But (laughs) these chips, I mean, they are not small. I mean, the RFID chip is still, what, maybe like three millimeters wide or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's a big needle. (laughs) And it it looks, I mean, if I saw it and someone was going to inject it into me, I may pass out. Like, I'm not usually afraid of needles, but that needle
2: looks intimidating. I believe it.
1: Yeah, I don't think this is a do-it-at-home kind of project.
2: I think it might be a a strap-me-down-on-a-table because I'm going to have second thoughts and start screaming, no, no. (laughs) I, I want to be knocked out.
0: I want to be knocked out. I don't want to see it. I don't want to feel it. Just get it in me.
1: <laughs> Don't worry. The government will knock you out so that they can do it in your sleep and you won't even know it's ever happened. They'll put you back in your bed. Never happened.
0: <laughs> so would you guys be afraid of RFID chips in you? Or if, if, let's say, the future, you know, everyone is doing it. They're using this implanted chip to pay for things, to uh, ID. You know, maybe you go into a bank. You just use your your hand to basically authenticate.
2: I mean, it it definitely has its conveniences and advantages and I I could see it being worrisome in terms of if something is hacked and it's a part of you, I can see people freaking out about that. But if it is secure, yeah, it, it could be kind of cool. You got me scared about the procedure to get it in there though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's this. I have this hesitancy as well in terms of thinking. Well, you know, now that you've implanted me, in theory, you could, if you had radio like RFID stations around a city, you could, in theory, track me. Yeah. But Then I think about, wait, people are already tracking me because I'm carrying my phone yeah, around everywhere.
2: Phone. So a lot of the privacy. So concerns there's really is no difference. The, yeah.
1: I think it would be pretty convenient. It would feel really weird at first. Um, like my, my, if, if, I don't know, kind of a relevant story. My purse broke recently and I'm not going to go out and buy a new purse because we're in lockdown and it's COVID and whatever. So I've just been stuffing, you know, cards and stuff in my, in my jacket and then going out to purchase things. And it's actually felt very strange not to carry something with me. So as a like female perspective mm-hmm. on here, cause you, you folks don't wear, purses i don't i assume maybe you do i don't know
0: Um, i just carry a fanny pack (laughs) okay (laughs) just kidding just kidding
1: (laughs) i use my fanny pack when i storm the Capitol. (laughs) (laughs) um no but like so not wearing a purse felt very weird for a while but now i kind of like it it's nice to have you know the freedom of movement and and i can see how people would be worried about you know giving away their information and stuff but we we give, like, our location data and whatever, but we give away our location data and everything already on our cell phones with just the apps we use and things like that. So it's not really a privacy concern for me. When you were telling that story, I was thinking, all I could think about was, gosh, I hope that woman doesn't, like, wrong her husband and he changes the passwords and then she can't open the doors or, like, anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Now I've got this chip and it just doesn't do anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or there's some sort of malfunction in their software and, uh, all of a sudden she just, you know, can't get into, you know, the kitchen cupboard to get some food cause it's locked. <laughs> and then she tries to leave yeah. and it's locked. And like
0: <laughs> Actually. So she locks like cabinets where, um, there might be some, val- not valuables, but things that her kids might want. Like for mm. example, uh, like their PlayStation and Xbox, like she'll lock it, um, and only she can unlock that cabinet too. Hmm. If they wanted to like play games and things like that,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So for a mother who wants total control over her household, being able to unlock and lock things without carrying a key around is probably a good, um, a good thing for her. It's a it's a bonus, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm I'm fascinated by like being able to unlock things. Just with my body, but um, yeah, I, uh, th- really, the only hesitancy I have is that needle. Like looking <laughs> at the size of the needle is just very, very intimidating.
1: I will have to look up this needle. I'm not really afraid of needles. I think I would be okay with it. <laughs> you will, Cherry. You will. <laughs> <Yeah. be.
0: laughs> it, it just looks really big.
2: Bigger needles are not too bad. Yeah, but they needles.
0: still use these same they use these same needles for uh, implanting uh, RFID chips into pets. Like when mm. you you know the pet uh, RFID right. chips. So I don't know if your pets have that chip uh, in it, but um, but they do it for pets all the time.
1: My dog has um, a tattoo on her ear, so I don't think she got chipped. But I don't know. I have had dogs who were chipped. Um, because we previously had a hunting dog um come from like a breeder who chipped I think all of the dogs um so yeah they do it to puppies I guess but I I'm more afraid of the smaller needles and I think it's very like in my head of being afraid of like a small needle snapping off so the bigger the needle the more sturdy I know it is (laughs) stick it in me
0: (laughs) No, I'm totally the opposite. I'm like, <laughs> no, make it small. Because <laughs> I know the smaller it is, the less nerves nerves that it's going to, like, <laughs> interact with.
1: Fair. Yeah. So, yeah, you would want somebody who would know what they were doing so that they're, yeah, they're not going to, you know, put it in the middle of a nerve and kill your nerve or something. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there goes your tendon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Whoops, I wasn't supposed to go that deep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, so I, I looked up some of the other technologies that people might be augmenting. There's a few interesting ones that have been uh, developed over the last few years. One of them I thought that was really interesting uh, almost replaces the function of an organ where when you combine an automatic ins- like insulin dosage pump with a glucose monitor, uh, you can essentially now have a device that's pumping, you know, insulin into your body just automatically. Uh, instead of right now, where people have to do it manually, they might have to, you know, measure their glucose levels and then decide whether to inject insulin or not. Um, other interesting.
1: I met somebody but... um, actually. Sorry to interrupt before you move on from that. I met somebody who had. I think they said they had a chip um, in their arm or something like that, that was actually measuring their blood sugar real time. And then they had an app that, um, was because they were writing an exam. They told me that if, if their phone goes off, it's a big deal. Um, so they have to keep their phone on, um, just in case their blood sugar, you know, spikes or drops too low or too high or whatever. Um, so they would need to go and do something if, if that were the case. Yeah, I think that's a great technology to have because, like, he was in this three-hour test situation. You can't always monitor your blood sugar when you're in a three-hour test situation.
0: Yeah, and the one thing you don't want to happen is to pass out <laughs> during <Yeah>. the exam. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and the one thing I don't want to happen is for him to pass out. So, um, yeah, no, I think they can be very valuable.
2: That's actually, a, uh, I read a survey, you know, led to by this article that I read as my primary source. It was a survey by Deborah Whitman, and the results showed that 95% of respondents supported exactly this type of uh, augmentation, physically restorative augmentation, where it's helping people be more normal.
1: hmm Yeah. Whenever I think about um, bionics and things like that, I think about this story that I read, you know, years back. Uh, maybe five years ago when they were putting prosthetics onto um, army vets um, who had lost limbs and things like that um, and wiring them such that you were able to actually move the prosthetic with your nerves and with your muscles. Um, so we are doing like really cool things for humanity and really helping people um, I was reading a lot about these prosthetics that, um, actually mimic, mimic human touch. Um, so the prosthetic is, um, is, uh, sort of associated with your nerves. So there's, um, some sensors and some wires that are attached to your nerves um, and it's sending signals for the arm. They they were doing it. They're doing it a lot in arms. Um, and and a l- there's a few things they're doing with legs, but a lot more with arms, um, because we do have hands uh, that move a lot more. Um, than we would our feet. So so it's a little bit more of a practical application um, because if you think about it, like imagine losing half of your arm and not being able to use your fingers again because what they give you are these plastic prosthetics that are just like don't move and aren't really usable um, in regular everyday life. So um, it's these prosthetics that actually move, have robotics within them, Um And so the person, their nerves are sending signals to the prosthetic to move and then the prosthetic has signals within it that are also sending a reciprocal signal if you're like touching something and things like that and it's been life changing for people because um, they can actually feel what they're touching. Um, so it's helped a lot of the uh, phantom limb pain and things like that that people experience when they do lose their limbs um, because now you can actually feel your limb in a sense um, so it's really neat the things that um, they're coming up with um,
2: When you talk unf- about um sorry sherry yeah, yeah about no. actually uh you know having the sensory input of of touch does that mean that this? this thing that you looked up, is it somehow wired into the brain? Like how is it catching the nerve signals?
1: It's wired into the arm. So I think they might attach it to the arm in such a way that they're able to connect wires to the prosthetic um, to send those signals. Okay. And yeah, some I of understand.
0: these prosthetics, yeah, some of these prosthetics, I mean, it can still sense um, a muscle movement because, you know, Where your arm ends, there are still muscles there that can uh, do micro-movements to it uh, Mm -hmm. that you can kind of measure and you can translate those micro-movements into uh, the artificial limb.
2: And the brain, you know, the brain of the the person using it actually feels like, you know, it's making the connection, I'm in control of this limb. Because I feel like Mm -hmm. they're that'd be a big problem to overcome is the the disconnect of feeling like even if I have good control of this thing, it's doing exactly what I want it to. It doesn't really feel like a part of me if my brain isn't, you know, recognizing it that way.
1: And take some time to work with it.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm not sure how sophisticated it is. But I I know some of them, they maybe have to a few modes of operation where movement in your upper arm, a certain movement will like close a hand, another movement will open, and you can kind of control the rate of open and close. So I, I don't know how sophisticated the technologies are t- today, but I know I've seen a demo of um, someone just using um, their upper arm muscles to kind of activate open or close and different uh, hand uh, movements.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think just the idea of seeing it there and being able to control the movement helps you, like it didn't get rid of phantom pain or phantom limb pain. Um, but it, it decreased it a lot in, in a lot of the studies that I've read. So yeah, there is that muscle movement, uh, to control the limbs, but from what I've read, what they're starting to, um, to study and things like that is, is actual micro electrodes and wires that are implanted into the amputee's nerves um and those are connected to or those are associated with a computer where you have the the signals that are going back and forth and being interpreted by the computer yeah so it's something that is not necessarily mainstream yet but maybe will come become more mainstream as as time goes on um Unfortunately, 2020 uh, struck its final blow <laughs> with an article that came out um, from Forbes where uh, I guess so neuroscientists have found that people with bionic hands can't retrain their brain uh, so that those tactile sensations match the locations in their robotic limbs. So let's say if you touch something with your or some, somebody tried to touch your, your thumb then you can't maybe identify, Oh, that's my thumb.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so there's, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot, uh, to do with those prosthetics, um, to help people, um, I guess, to make those connections, um, for places on, on your prosthetic, but like, that's where science is going, I guess, in the future. So, uh, but they did learn that you can't retrain your brain. Um, because so what happens is the surgeons are connecting the hands sensors, the, uh, the robotic hand sensors to a person's nerves, um, but not necessarily at the same point in a circuit that was used by the original arm, because our nerves are organized in a very arbitrary way. So um, they can't find the exact nerve that matches your thumb or whatever, and your brain can't reinterpret it. So uh, that's kind of where it's going, um, so unfortunately they're not perfect yet, um, but uh, there's been a lot of development there. They've also, as of January of this year, um, sci- scientists have helped amputees experience their uh, prosthesis more positively, so when when people get their leg amputated, um, they often perceive their prosthetic as being heavier. Um, I think, just sort of in your brain because it's something that's foreign, um, that sort of thing. So uh, even though the prosthetic weighs like half of what a normal limb would weigh, um, people are perceiving these prosthetics as heavier. And so um, scientists are using um, they're starting to now experiment with more of the electrodes and things in the leg prosthesis. And they're helping. It helps people to perceive their prosthetic as uh, lighter than it actually, than than you think it would be. So, so people are adjusting to their prosthetics a lot easier now because of these electrodes. Um, yeah. So helping humanity through prosthetics.
0: <laughs> Another way um, that some of these, not necessarily prosthetics, but the type of technologies. Um, that are used in prosthetics uh, can be applied to maybe a larger set of the populations uh, would be like exoskeletons. I don't know. Have you guys seen exoskeletons? I
2: did read about one exoskeleton, uh, the German Cray X. It was like a a lifting exoskeleton for, for workers and productive activities. What have you got on it? Yeah.
0: So some companies have been experimenting with exoskeletons for a workforce, especially um, manuf- the manufacturing space. And I think it's solving a pretty interesting problem because we often think about, you know, these um, blue-collar workers. Uh, the age- Obviously, the workforce is aging, and um, there's always risk of... Um, injuries as you either become more tired or you begin to age as well so what some companies are doing is they're augmenting their workforce with these exoskeletons and these exoskeletons aren't meant to make you you know superhuman but it's really to help kind of uh, lessen the load on your body lessen the strain and it really helps to kind of reduce the fatigue um, kind of uh, reduce the chances of injury because you know when you're lifting heavy things or you're you know maybe working in overhead spaces. Um, there's always a greater chance of very strains on your body and injuries. So, so one company like Ford, they're looking at you know putting exos, ex, exosuits for people to wear to help them uh, do any type of manufacturing job. These suits cost about 4000 to $7,000, so it's not like some incredibly expensive uh, piece of technology. And I think it's an a interesting way of kind of using technologies to protect workers and help uh, workers uh, be able to kind of continue to work and work safely, mm-hmm. uh, especially as you know they age, and their bodies might uh, benefit from um, having these augmentations. Yeah,
2: for sure. A lot of uh, good, productive applications to that, and a good way to ensure against you know lost man hours from worker injury, from repetitive strain injury, or from some kind of accident that involves lifting. Mm-hmm. I. I support all companies that want <laughs> to make this a part of their their heavy lifting work operation.
1: Do you wish you had it in the grocery store? <laughs> um, typically, the things
2: that I would have to lift aren't going to exceed 50 pounds. So currently, I'm not in, in dire need of it. But you know what? I'm not going to be young forever. So uh, 60, 70-year-old me would definitely appreciate having an exoskeleton to uh, to handle the heavier loads.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I think about in terms of, like, if we want to um, kind of create equity and also uh, allow people to, you know, be employed and not feel they are at risk of losing their jobs mm-hmm. because they can't work, um, and especially the safety piece, because, you know, if, it's, if you can keep workers from getting injured, then they can continue to work. Uh, the, everything kind of swings towards the... The positive in terms of trying to implement more of these exo um, exoskeletons kind of uh, augmentations for workers.
2: Yeah, and it might be a you know a lot of the time you read in the the basic income literature people see the robot future where robots are going to swoop in and they're going to replace humans and do all these manual labor jobs. But I think it's a more useful synthesis in a lot of ways to have the human still there but with the machine assistance in the form of an exoskeleton or something like that so you still benefit from all the knowledge experience and decision making that a human can apply but you have the the force and capabilities of a machine it's perfect
0: yeah so it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, Tesla the the car company the one of the reasons why some of their cars have been delayed um, and Previously, previously uh, a few years ago, in terms of delayed of launching into the market, was they made the assumption that, oh, we can just automate everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just take robots and they can build all of our cars. They quickly found out that actually it is currently right now, based on our current technologies, impossible to do that because there are so many tiny little details that a human being can pick up Uh, and adapt to because if they if a human kind of sees a wire that's a millimeter off you know off from where it should be the human can adapt quickly and uh, continue on with the manufacturing uh, process so um, they've discovered that actually you know for them uh, the only reason why they've been able to be successful is because they let the robots do um, things that robots are good at Mm -hmm. which is Lifting heavy things, assembling big pieces that are heavy and static, and then they have lots and lots of people doing all the tiny, detailed things that uh, maybe are not very precise and kind of needs a human intuition to be able to kind of uh, put things together. Right. So, um, I, so at least in my mind, for the foreseeable future, for now, I don't. I, I think there's still you still need people uh, to do, be able to. Um, adapt and work on these uh, uh, more uh, flexible and nuanced uh, type of uh, activities in manufacturing.
1: Yeah, I like the I like the idea of um, augmenting humans versus um, just recreating a, a human out of a robot. I think that I think that it allays a lot of people's fears, and definitely what you talked about of you know robots are going to rep- replace us and. And, you know, as we get older, as we age, we have fears of being replaced and things like that. So, so, you know, having humans still be valued in the workplace is really important, I think, to people.
0: But I think we should strive to to uh, definitely have robots replace jobs that we don't want humans to do. Yeah,
2: um, the least but. desirable jobs. Absolutely. Automate mm-hmm. them as much as we can.
0: Yeah, so I, I can think of you know things like people, um, uh, workers working in a foundry where they have to pour you know molten steel and you know these high temperature uh, fluids. Like, I don't want a worker anywhere near that. Like, any type of accident is going to be yeah <laughs> very very bad. So debilitating um,
2: injury for life for sure. Mm. What do you guys think about? Um, like an avatar type of technology where it is a robot out in the workforce, but it's a human being somewhere with a virtual reality type of headset on their head, and they're controlling all the actions that this robot does.
0: Would this robot be walking around the world or yeah, doing in the actual out job? In the
2: physical world, doing the physical job, it would be a robot, but somewhere off in a maybe not a centralized location, but even somebody has a setup built in their home they just climb in their, in their VR machine and they start controlling this robot avatar who performs tasks out in the world.
0: The military does that right now.
2: Do they really? With they drones? They fly drones. Well, yeah. drones. Yes, yes, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it's kind of the same thing where, I mean, it, they're doing a job, but uh, at a distance. I, I, I think from a, you know, Let's put the military aside. But in terms of the real world, I mean, that's where, you know, jobs that potentially are dangerous that we don't actually want physical humans to be near. Um, I think, you know, that type of technology is totally worth it because mm-hmm. you can keep your employees safe without having to endanger them. Mm-hmm. So I can think of even yeah. things like rescue operations. I mean, it would be amazing to have a robot do rescue operations mm-hmm. versus, I oh, know putting first responders into danger.
1: I wonder how much our world would change if we did have, like, you know, avatars or, like, uh, um, robots doing our jobs that we control and things like that. Like, I think about um Wally and how everyone ended up fat and these wheelie <laughs> chairs, that robotic chairs that wheeled around. Like, I wonder if we would have to, at workplaces, put a lot more emphasis on having workout classes together or something in between virtual virtual reality sessions where you're controlling your robots.
2: Yeah. Now that's a legitimate fear, to be honest. Like the more, you know, physically intensive labor that we lay off onto machines as opposed to perform ourselves, you know, the the more we invite physical infirmity into ourselves that, you know, we're not exercising muscles the same way we used to, we we could grow weaker and more chair-bound, as the Wally example showed.
0: Then someone's going to create another robot to then help you exercise. Move my <laughs> arm for me.
2: <laughs> robots on top of robots on top of robots <laughs> to help you. I mean, or if you wanted to go the road of bioengineering, then you dive into what type of steroidal substances could you inject to to preserve healthy organs and whatnot. Mm-hmm without having to move about and perform physical tasks. Mm -hmm. We're jumping both feet into science fiction at that point. But
0: But you know what's not science fiction right now? Brain implants. Mm. So um, there's a company called uh, Neuralink. Um, It's another Elon Musk company, so you know that they're probably going to create a product. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it's basically a coin-sized computer chip that is embedded into your brain. Right now, they've implanted it into pigs just to kind of uh, test the technology. Uh, the implant has um, th- about 3,000 electrodes that gets implanted into your brain. It can monitor about 1,000 neurons at a time. Um, and it's interesting because when you kind of look at the specs, it almost reads like a iPhone because they basically advertise, oh, you know, it has all-day battery life, <laughs> recharges overnight. It has 5 to 10 meters of wireless range. And it costs... Uh, eventually, they want to make it so that it costs about the same as a uh, laser eye surgery because they've actually built a robot that will actually implant it for, uh, for you instead of uh, having, like, a surgeon implanting it. So this this chip uh right now all it does is kind of read the brain waves uh, there's no like application to it, but they're working towards an application where in their vision they're looking at potentially treating Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. and other brain diseases, but you can kind of see where it potentially could kind of move into in terms of well, now that you're monitoring your brain in theory, it could also send signals into your brain so there's a question of, you know, it can monitor. Uh, maybe future applications would be actually allowing the chip to control, you know, your body. And I think the other application they're kind of looking into is really augmenting your brain with an AI. So instead of having, you know, artificial intelligence sitting on a computer somewhere, uh, integrating artificial intelligence with your own brain to augment your. Um, your capabilities and your, essentially your processing capabilities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it could ever increase your intelligence. I kind of have my doubts on that.
2: It become an interesting question. You know, what is intelligence if, you know, this brain augmentation, if I stare at a piece of paper and all of a sudden it's feeding me what I need to know in order to perform some complex quantum physics equation, you know, where does intelligence lie at that point if If my AI knows how to do it, and therefore I know how to do it, it's just all in my adeptness at using it, I guess, and interpreting it.
0: I've lost a lot of hope in the last couple of weeks because I just feel like, for example, (laughs) the people at the Capitol, if they had a chip in there telling them, this is insurrection, they're still going to say, (laughs) no, it's not them. (laughs) them. (laughs)
1: Or they could get little shocks in their brain when they think about, like, um, you know, oh, I don't like vaccines. They're this, this. Oh, I like vaccines. I, I do. They're I don't great. know if I
2: like that social engineering too much. <laughs>
1: I have seen it used in Parkinson's patients, though, that, like, they have actually inserted electrodes that I think they they send a signal or a shock or something in certain parts of the brain to uh, prevent the shaking that happens with Parkinson's. And, Mm. like, I've seen videos of people who are experiencing it, and they're just so... Um, elated with the fact that they are not shaking at that moment that when they usually would be, so it's really, really interesting. Um, my question for you, Kenny, is: like an iPhone, are you going to have to continually upgrade to the newer iPhone? Like, how often do you need to re- get brain surgery to replace the battery? Like, that's my question.
0: Yeah, I. I to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine as new technologies come out and you want to have that latest and greatest uh, neural link, like are you literally going to need to go under a scalpel every single time?
1: That's where I draw the line. I don't mind these huge syringes and stuff, but like, I don't know that I would be okay getting my brain cut into your brain is such a fragile organ that you need and that can go very poorly, very quickly.
2: I think that's where a lot of people would draw the line to just a bit too invasive to be mm-hmm. tinkering around with your brain.
1: Do you think there are people out there who would be like, yeah, Elon Musk, sign me up as your first human <laughs> oh, participant? for sure.
0: <laughs> for sure. If Elon's Musk, his name is on something, <laughs> you can definitely get volunteers <laughs> to do, to do that. Fair. Um, but it, it does bring a question of, okay, you know, let's start replacing or not replace it, but augmenting our brains. Maybe we're augmenting our bodies. You know, does get to a point where you're deconstructing our human body? And at what point do you think you stop becoming a human, hmm. or are you always a human? I, I where's the line? Like, uh, what's what? What would you consider to be a human? If let's say you started, uh, you know, augmenting your body, you start putting stuff into your brain. Is is the brain the most important piece? In terms of calling yourself a human being? In
2: a way, for me, I think it would be because I kind of put the definition around do I still have an uninterrupted stream of consciousness that I can call my own, that I I feel I am in control of the thoughts that are going through my head. And if the information through any kind of brain augmentation is just something that I can draw on through my will and in place of, you know, the disastrous line of things being fed into me that I don't want to access. I guess that's where I would uh, say the line exists between human and something not human.
1: I would say brain as well. I think it gets into this philosophical question of, like, what makes us human? And, like, I believe our empathy and our, um, you know, our our humanity really relies on our brain Um, that's you know if you were to talk about in a religious sense a soul of your human body a physical representation of what a soul would be it would be your brain because your brain is what is making those decisions to um, have empathy or to um understand what empathy is or to um connect with other humans um that's kind of where all of that is happening so i think I think definitely brain augmentation you could eventually draw the line and say maybe you 're not so much human anymore mm-hmm.
0: so what if this chip is so advanced that you 're in a black mirror episode where you 're downloaded onto a server like are you still human at that point <laughs> if you're if, if you still have the, the empathy, you still have the same memories you 're still able to recreate the same type of like neural activity that's happening in your brain so
2: when you say download are we are are we creating a copy of me in a digital realm is that what's happening sure a copy
0: a copy of you
1: i just don't see how it could be the same how you could have because then it would be more artificial intelligence because how could you copy your your human intelligence and your human reactions into a machine.
0: But isn't our brains all just a series of neurons firing electricity? And it's true. Um, and I mean, if let's say you were totally able to replicate that
2: on a artificial platform, is that human? <laughs> or when physical me dies, is the human part gone and the, yeah. the yeah. carbon copy that exists in computer realm, something not human? That's an interesting question. For me, the the break in consciousness is is where I would draw the line. And so physically dying would be a problem for me. And this this copy of me, which may possess all the exact same attributes and the exact same thoughts, make the exact same decisions, is still just that. It's a copy that exists for the computer realm. Whereas human me is just tied to this shell. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> There's, remember the uh, the Johnny Depp movie, Transcendence? They dealt with that in kind of a silly sort of way, where, of course, he gains superpowers. But he was, I, I think he was shot in that movie, and they had to upload him into a computer, and then he exists as computer Johnny Depp and, and does all the things like that. And I do think that that he ceases to be human at that point. I mean, certainly in the movie, not that you can take that as science, he ceases to act and reason like a human.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. And I, I just, I have trouble believing that you could make an actual carbon copy that would react the same way that I would, because humans are so um, unpredictable, uh, in our actions, it won't, it won't be a carbon defense.
0: copy. It'll be a silicon copy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> would any of you want to be a silicone copy? Like, let's say that you were going to die, you have a terminal illness in your physical body. Would any of you want to be uploaded into a robot? Hmm.
0: I think I would want to, but I I would also be afraid of not being able to die. Yeah.
2: <laughs> have you um? either of you ever heard of the the ship of theseus thought experiment essentially it's a thought experiment that says you're using the analysis, analogy of the ship you're you're on the ship of theseus and you're crossing some long stretch of water and along the way parts of your ship are breaking down and so you're constantly replacing them with new parts that you have or you know you pull into port and you replace it and you know is it still the ship of theseus after a complete overhaul has eventually happened and all parts are new parts that you've strapped onto the ship. None of them were there originally. So say instead of wholesale uploading our brain into a computer, we just piece by piece, we replace pieces of our brain with Silicon augmented devices that, you know, do the same sort of thing. You know, how many pieces, you know, do we chip away the entire brain until it is just a machine brain? And is that still us? You know, it's just, are we more comfortable with it happening piecemeal than happening all at once? I guess is what it breaks down to. I think piece humans by piece you are just more wouldn't careful. notice. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, how many pieces can you replace and still feel like, yeah, I'm still the captain of this ship. I'm still mm-hmm. in control. I, I don't feel like there's been a disconnect in my consciousness.
1: Yeah. I think humans would be more comfortable, I think that it will get to a, I mean, if, if this comes to fruition, if we even survive this year, um, like (laughs) that piece by piece is much more comfortable for humans, um, because it sort of happens without you really knowing it, uh, that you just start, you're just in the end, completely a different (laughs) thing or whatever.
2: (laughs) And it's already happening in just our natural biology through what we shed and, know excrete we are not the same material we're not the same pieces of us that we were when we started we've completely refurbished ourselves with new us if you could
1: choose if you could choose any way to augment yourself did you think about this question when we talked about this topic what would you choose if you could choose any way to augment yourself
0: (laughs) hmm (laughs) <laughs> i even though i don't like the concept of something in my brain i really like the idea of being augmented by <laughs> like an ai like being able to accelerate my computational power and uh things like that to me i that's really interesting for me but uh if they can do that without drilling into my head, that would be amazing.
2: <laughs> so as long as you can wear a pair of, uh, of Google glasses that do it all for you, something external, yeah, maybe Google glasses.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. That would be pretty yeah. cool for me.
2: I think if, if we're actually, you know, we're getting into the full surgery of it and we're, we're sawing things apart and putting them back together, I would definitely want a better circulatory system. Give me a, a hump, a heart that's going kind to of pump for ages and, uh, proper blood flow to all my organs and limbs heck replace the organs with better organs too just we we draw the line at the brain we keep the brain intact and we just have a a really nice full-fledged system to to make sure that brain is happy and healthy as long as possible
0: yeah none of these useless organs like the appendix yeah exactly
2: (laughs) if we don't need it get rid of it it doesn't need to be in there
1: I was on the same track. Like, I I thought of a whole bunch of different things that I would like. I definitely want the Google Glasses kind of thing of, like, being able to, you know, it it would be so cool if I could just do mental math, but I can't, so I need (laughs) some glasses to do that. But, like, I'm thinking I'm on the line of Rory. Like, I'm thinking nanobots. I would like nanobots in my blood system where they could just go and um, get to diseases quicker or...
0: Or repair your body. Repair my body. I I think that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, we don't
2: Mm -hmm. see it, but we're scarring and tearing our bodies all the time just with the act of daily living. So get those bots Mm -hmm. in there.
1: And like get rid of the
2: plaques in my arteries. Yeah.
1: Or prevent diseases or, you know, even viruses from taking hold, right? Like you would never get sick again. That would be awesome. (laughs) How much more productive would you be?
0: Yeah. And actually speaking about Google Glass, you know, the one use case I would love be able to identify people because I don't know if you guys ever run into those awkward situations where (laughs) you're like, oh, hey,
2: you, (laughs) I don't remember your name, but (laughs) no more awkward hellos relying on my memory.
1: (laughs) You would have a list of stats that would come up about that person along with their name. That would be awesome.
2: Including oh, a little like your or dislike children? matter. Do I like
1: this person? Oh, I
2: hate them. Oh,
1: that's good to know. <laughs> oh, don't talk about their dead dog. Okay. Won't do that.
0: <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No more putting your foot in your mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I think, yeah. And it's something you can take on and take off. I like that idea that it's not, yeah. it's not physically a part of you. Mm-hmm. You're not stuck with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But actually, I really do like the idea of the nanobots. Yeah. That would be amazing, actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, get mm-hmm. them in there and let them go to work nonstop, yeah. 24-7.
0: But you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a whole new population of anti-nanobot
2: people. <laughs> well, let them suffer with the common cold then while I march around. We need to go through another podcast about the anti-nanobot people. <laughs> They'll happen because anything new is going to generate fear.
1: That's when the government kidnaps them, puts the nanobots in their system, and tells them they were abducted by aliens, and then then we're all good.
0: You can't infringe on their rights. Nanobots causes autism. Yeah.
2: (laughs) No doubt.
1: Oh, man. Those are problems for 50 years from now. Let people then deal with it. Maybe all of the stupid people will have died off, and and we have become a smarter race. I, I don't
0: know. I don't know. If you look through history, they don't disappear. Yeah, they're
1: pretty renewable. <laughs> they they make I comebacks. Guess. I guess you're yeah. right.
0: Unfortunately, they reproduce.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Oh well.
0: Okay. So is there anything else that you guys have to cover? Or
2: there's a few things I could still touch on. Uh, Just back on the acceptability front, a few of the notes that uh, that the article I read had were that they should genuinely feel like a part of the user's natural abilities. And uh, an interesting note for the elderly is even if it's highly beneficial, high tech aids are often rejected by the elderly who don't want to highlight their disabilities. So it has to be really blend in not be apparent to, to the naked eye of outside observers. They don't want to look like they have a problem, like hearing aids that are visible.
0: But do you think, I mean, if it was marketed right or had the right use cases, like, people wouldn't care? Because, I, for example, I can think about, you know, our earbuds yeah. and our phones. No one no one cares anymore that people are looking at their phones all the time. It's and- true.
2: If it looks cool and it has the right associations of, uh, of status and... Uh, being trendy and cool, then then yeah, I think it is okay to even wear a big stupid head of apparatus over your wear a helmet yeah. everywhere you go that feeds you this information, not Google Glasses.
1: Just put some flames yeah. on it.
2: <laughs> and you'll be cool. <laughs> as long as we can you know market it the right way and make it cool, yeah. We can overcome those psychological factors. I had a whole list of, you know, of course because I read an academic article, you fit things into nice Terms and categories for us, but they're not really important. And in fact, we we touched on a lot of them. He you know, starts with the graphical user interface, virtual reality, ubiquitous computers, which is uh, when you embed objects with uh, with the microchips. I kind of thought about like the clapper lamps and stuff like that, and then uh, moving into augmented interaction, which is your Google Glass. It communicates with the environment from an object on you. And of course, our central topic of uh, augmented humans. One thing I found kind of funny that uh, we haven't touched on yet is uh, there's a problem called the Midas touch problem. And that's when you have these uh, gaze interfaces where you look at something and it, it feeds you information based on where your head orientation is and where your gaze is. It's sometimes feeding you things that you don't care about and didn't actually mean to focus on. But because you're looking that way, the technology thinks you're focusing on it. I thought that was kind of funny. So you might get a bunch of useless information about Johnny walking his dog that uh, you had no interest in, but because you happened to look his way. (laughs) And I guess a closing quote that I thought also stuck out to me is uh, from Sir Arthur C. Clarke, who's a science fiction author and futurist. He said that any sufficiently advanced technology is going to be indistinguishable from magic.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
2: Like vaccines. By what witchcraft is this that it prevents this virus from corrupting me and forcing my immune system to do the wrong things? It's magic. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. <laughs> conspiracy.
1: You don't believe in magic? I believe in magic. I
2: believe in magic too, Sherry.
1: <laughs> I believe my Hogwarts letter is still out there.
2: It's on the way. What's Harry's owl name?
1: Um,
2: uh, Hedwig. Hedwig, Hedwig just got lost on his way to you.
1: Yes. But he's coming.
0: <laughs> he kind of got Corona. So he's
2: been isolated. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> dark.
1: <laughs> he hung out with some owls that he shouldn't have hung out with. <laughs> he, t-
0: he tested positive so he can't cross the border.
1: Yeah. That's why. <laughs> he got stuck. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've got. I'm, okay. I'm good to sign off if you
0: two are. So. Thanks for joining us today on this episode, and looking forward to our augmented future. Woo-hoo. Yay. Yay! Augmented we'll
1: humanity.
0: <laughs> okay, see you later, everyone. All right, bye. bye. Till next time.